You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lord. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 45, Daleks in Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks Story Review. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. Did you just say all that with one breath? <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> Daleks in Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks Story Review. <laughs> <laughs> this is, is going to be fun. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is why Jason introduces the show and, and I sit back and think, yeah, I'd get tongue-tied if I said that. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where Jason goes, there's a reason I write down all of these titles. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man. How's it going, Paul? It's, it's going pretty well, except for the heat. I'm, I'm really hating the heat. Mm, yeah. It is summer. Well, today it was even worse because it rained for all of about five minutes. Oh, no. And, and then the sun came back out and basically just... Turned outside into a steam cooker. Yeah, it was It was basically like working in a crock pot for the rest of the day, you know. <laughs> oh, it was horrible. Well, at least we're <laughs> talking about Doctor Who now. <laughs> We've got an interesting couple of episodes to talk about, but before we get into that, we had just sort of a, a brief snippet that's sort of coming out of the filming for Series 10 that we wanted to mention here. Well, what, what's going on? Well, we have a fancy doctor. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we, we've uh, gotten a glimpse of the doctor's new digs, actually. He's got a new... A new variation on his wardrobe well it's almost like they've taken the wardrobe that we had from his first christmas special as the 12th mm -hmm. uh, combined it with the velvet coat and everything that we had at the end of season nine and just kind of blended it all up and said okay now we're going to change the color yeah you know so so what it looks like we've got is we've got a a, a dark blue or, or or a navy velvet coat with mm -hmm. a bright blue lining and a hood he's, he's got a gray hoodie underneath that and then he's got like a white shirt and a blue 
vest. Uh, well, they, the image the image I saw had a really pale blue shirt, but I couldn't tell if it was a vest or if it was like a cardigan. You I know. think it was a vest. It looks like a vest, but it's difficult to tell. Uh, and, and he's wearing skinny jeans. Yes, and boots. Yes, Peter Capaldi's yes. got got sort of a you know an updated look. He's really turning into the the John Pertwee of the new series as as far as costumes are concerned, because John Pertwee has about at least a dozen different incarnations of his costume. Well, he he ha- he also wore things that were of the time, mm-hmm. but still a little bit kind of elevated above what would be normal <laughs> and that's sort of what Capaldi's doing too he's he's wearing things that are kind of of the time but sort of elevated to the point where it's like you know I probably wouldn't have thought about putting that together but that looks pretty good you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it's 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 actually kind of kind of cool looking and and I'm you know I was looking at it and I was thinking that'll go really good with that new sonic screwdriver you know right exactly <laughs> So. And then he's still got the longer hair. Which I like. Uh, yeah, I think it suits him. I, I do too. Uh, I, I think that it that it adds a little bit more whimsy, I think. I mean, it, it, that's another connection back to John Pertwee. His first season, his hair was shorter by comparison to what it ended up being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But by the end of his run, it was almost as big as Tom Baker's, just better taken care of. Well, the biggest it ever gotten, I think, was The Five Doctors. <laughs> uh, you know, because when you see him in the five doctors, it almost looks like a cotton ball on top of his head, you know. And of course, by that time, it had gotten whiter, you know. Yes. So. Oh, my gosh. I would agree with that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I love me some John Pertwee, so. <laughs> I'm in my rewatch of all the episodes I have access to. I, I am in the middle of, of John Pertwee's run. So <laughs> revisiting the third doctor. And uh, before we turn this into a, an episode of Doctor Who fashion, I think we should probably move on to our episode. <laughs> so, it's not Doctor Who fashion week? <laughs> no, 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 not yet. The spring line is already out. It's not time for the fall line. So let's just move on. <laughs> I think we could do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There, there needs to be a, an episode one of these days just about the costumes. Because hey, I would be cool with that. I, I think that would be fun. So. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, before we get into the details of this, overall thoughts on the story, and then uh, let's talk briefly about your thoughts on Martha. I, I like the story itself, which I know that sometimes saying that you like the story doesn't necessarily mean that you like some of the visuals or whatever, you know, we've dealt a lot of that with the, the classic series, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I like the writing on this. I like the, the way the story is told, but this is also one of those story arcs where, you know, if you're just looking at it on the surface, it sort of leaves you with a question mark over your head a couple of times because you're looking at it and you're going, why did they do that? You know, <laughs> But but story wise, I think this is a really 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 good story. Uh, there's um, the uh, this story is bizarre, even for Doctor Who. Well, it goes back into the whole genetic thing. Yeah, and and uh, 
there are there are definitely elements of these stories that I really like, and there are elements of these story that I'm not the biggest fan of, and we'll get into all those details <laughs> later. So, uh, but it, it's it's one of those where if I'm going to rewatch a modern Dalek story, this is not the first one on my list. It's probably the last one on my list. So well, if it, I'm just like, I, I just want to go watch a Dalek story, you know, this is never the one that comes to mind. It has your favoritest of all characters in it. Oh? <laughs> Who would that be? The human Dalek. <laughs> I'm not going to acknowledge that. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Let's talk about Martha. Um, <laughs> we we are introduced to a new companion. Um, as far as the Dalek episodes go, this time around, um, we haven't really had the opportunity or taken the opportunity to talk much about Martha on the show thus far. What are your general thoughts on on Martha? Well, and, I th- I think that Martha was probably brought in a little bit too early after Rose. And the reason I say that is because I think that a lot of people didn't give her enough of an opportunity when she came in because they were so attached to Rose at that point. And so a lot of people were looking at her as an inferior companion because they just didn't want anybody in that position at that moment other than Rose. And I think that's kind of unfortunate because I think that she, especially toward the end of this this, uh, run, I think that she really stepped up and showed just how good of a companion she could be. And yeah. and she didn't just fill a, a spot. She wasn't like a placeholder. And I think that's a, a lot of how she gets treated because of the fact that she followed so closely behind Rose. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, the, the biggest drawback of Martha is that she's the companion after Rose. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the biggest strike against her because Rose had such an impact on the show. She was so loved by the fans. Nobody was going to live up to Rose. And so I think the the other thing that is an issue with Martha in that regard is that the writing made Martha another companion who had romantic feelings towards the Doctor. Right. And I think if they had written her a little less on that sort of mushy romantic side, she would have been accepted better. Which because is, you know, because because uh, everyone's still reeling after the Doctor and Rose's very heartfelt goodbye, and nobody wants to have this new companion to you know right. muscle in on the Doctor in that regard. And so I think Donna, personality-wise, would have been a better fit right, right. after Rose. Right. But I like Donna's appearance in sequence where she is. Right. Well, what I was what I was going to say though is the thing about Martha's attraction to the Doctor was it wasn't put in there in such a way as to be intended to be another love interest for the doctor it was actually done in such a way so that they could say okay we're going to show you how she learns how to be independent from the doctor because she realizes that she can stand on her own and she doesn't have to have the doctor you know mm-hmm. and so that's why they started her, her out that way is because they said okay we're going to start her out as a character who feels dependent on the doctor even to the point of wanting a romantic relationship with him and by the time you get her to the end of her run she realizes that she doesn't need anyone she can right. stand on her own two feet and it's really interesting because you know spoilers like we said she ends up with Mickey yeah 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> and they're actually a really good fit for each other. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so I, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. So unfortunately, this this episode is still early on in, in Martha's run. And so we still are getting a lot of that, you know, reliance on the doctor mm-hmm. with her. Um, but it glimpses of, of her finding her own two feet in this world. But as a character herself, I like her. She's not my favorite. There's nothing dynamically stands out to me about her, but she's definitely not the worst companion by far. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where she's sandwiched between two very dynamic companions in Rose and Donna. Right. Um, and kind of gets the short end of the stick because of that. Well, you know, it would be like saying, okay, you get to be the companion that falls in between Sarah Jane Smith and Romana. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Leela did a good job. I know. But what I'm saying is if, if you compare her to Sarah Jane and Romana, she's going to be less remembered than those two. And so, you know, even though she did a great job as Martha Mm -hmm. did a good job, she's not remembered as well as the other two that came before and after her. Right. It's kind of that same scenario. Exactly. It so is. yeah, that, that's the comparison though, that you, that you have with that. And you're sitting there and you're going, she's not getting a fair shake, you know? Right. Because I go back and I watch these and, and there's nothing that is unlikable about her as a character. Mm-hmm. She's a likable character. She's just not getting a fair shake. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's let's move into our, our Dalek episode reviews. These episodes, we have Daleks in Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks, both uh, written by Helen Rayner and directed by James Strong. They originally aired April 21st and April 29th, 2007, at least over in the UK, and um, are in David Tennant's second season, the third season overall for the new series, and um aired pretty soon into the season fourth and fifth episodes so we'd had you know smith and jones the shakespeare code and gridlock and then we would jump right into the daleks martha got baptized in fire rather quick well let's go ahead and jump into the episode here Uh, of course folks spoilers it is 1930s and we are in manhattan um we open up at a theater review show, you know, some of those song and dance things. It, it, it looks like a Las Vegas show tune, basically, but it's in New York. Vaudeville, right? Yeah. So you, you've yeah. got this big musical number, which we get to see some of later. And Tallulah. Yeah. Tallulah's the star. <laughs> and she's, uh, she's got her boyfriend, Laszlo, there. And uh, he's a stagehand. And they... They're a lovely the, little couple. The moment she came on screen, I swear, and I know this is not Doctor Who, but I have to bring this up. Okay. The first thing that popped into my mind was, she should be playing Harley Quinn from Batman. <laughs> 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 because she looks the part, she has the voice down pat, and the only thing that was missing for me was the costume. And, and she didn't come off as too far over the top or whatever of course if she was playing that part she would have come out you know over the top but Mm -hmm. the voice the look and everything i was thinking she should be playing harley quinn not the girl that they have playing her now for suicide squad you know (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, we'll, we'll see how she does. That movie hasn't come out yet. So, you know, yeah. that movie will make or break itself on yeah. her performance. So like she's, she's going to be the most popular character in it other than the Batman and the Joker. Right. So anyway, <laughs> let's go back to Doctor Who. But uh, you can see it now, right? I mean, I can, I can totally see it. And now I will not be able to unsee it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> She's getting ready to go on stage. Laszlo is telling her that he wants her to come meet his mother and all this stuff. And they're they're making big plans for their future, but she's got to go perform. And he hears a noise backstage mm-hmm. in one of the storage rooms. And he goes to investigate. We see some sort of pig man scream and run at him. And then we cut away to several days later. And the TARDIS is landing there on Ellis Island at the base of Lady Liberty. Yeah, that's kind of interesting looking forward, you know, mm-hmm. uh, knowing what we know now. <laughs> uh, we won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> that will come later. <laughs> later. Later. Martha is just amazed that they're in New York and she always wanted to visit and the Empire State Building is still under construction, but the doctor notices a different headline on the newspaper that they picked up that there's people vanishing in Hooverville. And Hooverville is this community of people that have been basically displaced by the Great Depression. And they are living in shacks and tents constructed in Central Park in New York because they have nowhere else to go. And um, unfortunately, nobody's really looking into the disappearances because, you know, they're the lowest rung on the totem pole, basically. These are the people that society has forgotten about, basically. Mm -hmm. But, of course, the Doctor and Martha go to Hooverville to try and find out what's going on. They see a fight break out between a loaf of bread because everyone's starving. And they meet the leader of Hooverville, Solomon, who breaks up the fight and splits the loaf between the two men that were fighting. And Solomon is played by Hugh Corshi, who was Captain Panaka in The Phantom Menace. (laughs) So uh, it was very hard for me to take that mental image of him being on Naboo and having him in New York. Um, Right. (laughs) So... Uh, there's, there's several, at least us, you know, familiar faces in this episode because yeah. we also have um, Andrew uh, Garfield. Andrew Garfield, who uh, is famous in his own right, but also plays Spider Man in the two amazing Spider Man movies, which I liked him as Spider Man more than I liked McGuire as Spider Man. But the writing suffered a little bit on those yeah. movies. But anyway, so there's a lot of geeky connections in this episode. With, with actors and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, people like Paul and I go, oh, I know him, and I know him. Oh, this yeah. is great, you know. <laughs> and and once you've seen the, the movies or the episodes or whatever of TV shows that come out after this came out, and you've seen other things that they've done, it's so difficult not to think of them in those other roles. Right. But, you know, I think they had a really good casting for this storyline, and I think that they picked some really good people to play these roles. Yeah. Um, and so Solomon and Frank, who is Andrew Garfield's character, uh, Solomon's the leader in Hooverville and Frank is, is kind of his right hand man or the puppy dog that follows him around. I would say more of the puppy dog that follows him around. Yeah. Uh, because he's inspired by him and wants to, you know, help him out. They, they meet up with the doctor and everything and they're explaining everything that's going on. And we cut away to uh, the Empire State Building. And you're going to hear me use, you know, the, the accented way that these words are said in this 
these episodes so many <laughs> times, folks. Just just be aware. Although that was a reference back to the chase. Oh my god, I just said yeah. Empire, the Empire State Building. Yeah, like that tour guide at the that's, top. That's something else too. You know, the way that these stories all line up is kind of interesting too, because this takes place before the chase, right? And then Angels in Manhattan comes after that. Yeah. So you know, and and this stuff just kind of weaves in and out of itself. You know. Yeah, you need a flowchart and a spreadsheet. <laughs> to keep all of this straight, and my mental flowchart is already getting convoluted. So. <laughs> Well, I brought, uh, I brought that up on our last Dalek episode, too, with some of the stuff that was going on with that. Yeah. But Mr. Diagoras is the, the businessman here in charge of construction on the Empire State Building. And he's ordering his foreman to basically speed up construction and tells them that they need to have the mast finished basically by tonight. When the foreman refuses to accelerate the speed and, and threatens to just walk off the construction site, Mr. Diagoras says that he should tell that to their masters who are the ones really in charge of what's going on and up from the elevator comes your masters your lord of masters yeah and it's 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 who you think it is it's a dalek (laughs) and you're like but why do the daleks need the empire state building to be finished needless to say the foreman is taken away by a couple of pig slaves and everyone else is basically falls into line and they'll get it done (laughs) (laughs) oh i should mention the daleks it is the cult of Scarrow that Again. we saw do the emergency temporal shift last time. Yeah. We have the cult of Scarrow back. Mr. Diagoras then stops by Hooverville to recruit a few more people to clear out a sewer collapse near the Empire State Building because the Daleks need more bodies for the final experiment, whatever that is. And people from Hooverville aren't really interested and they don't trust Mr. Diagoras. And then the doctor volunteers, which means Martha volunteers and Frank volunteers. Cause he's sweet on Martha and Solomon sort of rolls his eyes and goes, okay, I'll volunteer as well, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, they all go off and when they get down to the sewer, Diagoras says, Oh, just continue on down there. You'll, you can't miss it. And he heads back up top. It's like, oh, this is lovely. Down the, the sewer tunnel, they find a green lump of alien flesh. This looks the same as what we used to see in the classic series when we were talking about the Dalek embryos. It looks like a cross between a Dalek embryo and a Ruton. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, yeah. The, the, the thing is, you know, I looked at it and immediately I thought Dalek as soon as I saw it. But in the story... You don't see the doctor react that way. No, the doctor is trying to figure out what it is. You know, it's obviously dead. It's obviously been discarded. But he needs to figure out what it's made up of so we can figure out where it's from. But before they can really do any of that, they stumble across a, a lone pig slave who was basically out there as bait. And when they go and try and talk to him, there's a whole bunch of others that show up. And, of course, we get a chase scene through the sewers. Right. Back at the top of the Empire State Building, Mr. Jagoras <laughs> orders the crew to attach these strange strips of metal to the base of the mast that is being constructed. Hmm. These strips of metal are basically plates taken off the bottom part of a Dalek. It's yes. Dalekanium. Which we've seen multiple times before mm-hmm. in our other episode reviews. 
Yes, Dalekanium. <laughs> it's used for just about everything. <laughs> <laughs> or at least it is by the Daleks. That is true. <laughs> it's as universal to the Daleks as duct tape. Um, <laughs> after the the foreman and the workers take the, the Dalekanium away, Dalek Khan has this interesting conversation with Diagoras, sort of, in their mind, contemplating the confusion between the fact that humans are a weak species, but yet they create all this, you know, right. meaning New York City, meaning the Empire State Building, and how they're somewhat impressed with their ability to survive through time, throughout all of time, basically. And Diagoras agrees and says that he, you know, subscribes to that sort of idea and that he would survive at any cost through World War One, um, and that, you know, that's his mentality and why he's risen from a, a soldier that fought during World War One to a very prominent businessman now. Dalek Sek contacts Dalek Khan and orders Diagoras to be brought down to the basement, which is a laboratory, for the final experiment. Is another... <laughs> reference to the final experiment. Yeah. What did you think about this little conversation between Diagoras and, and Dalek Khan? I kind of felt like this, going back to the very first time I watched it, um, I've, I kind of felt like that there was more going on than met the eye uh, in that conversation because I kept thinking about uh, in the past how the Daleks had had sort of a middleman, you know, and, and that middleman always seemed to have uh, either a secondary agenda or be someone that the Daleks intended to use in a different way than what they were originally thought to be used for. Yeah. And so I felt like that this was going to be one of those situations where either he was going to be used to his full capacity in their eyes and then just kind of thrown to the side... Or he was there for a completely different reason. Yeah. The conversation seems, in retrospect, very calculated on the Daleks' part. Mm -hmm. To see if Diagoras is the type of man that they need. To see if he has ambition. Mm -hmm. you know? And he clearly does. Right. Which is what makes him eligible and a perfect fit for their final experiment. Meanwhile, back in sewers. <laughs> <laughs> the Doctor, Martha, and Solomon managed to escape the pig guards by climbing a ladder out of the sewers uh, into this storage room. Frank is right behind him but gets grabbed by the pig guards and as he is being taken off the ladder by the, the guards, Solomon slams down the manhole cover basically that they've popped out of in order to keep everyone else safe. When this happened, I was basically looking at him and thinking, we're probably not going to see him again. You know, right? Um, just based on the history of how characters have been treated uh, with the classic series and stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, because at that point I was thinking secondary character, he's probably not going to be back. He's probably just an extra. Of course, yeah. this was way back before he was in Spider-Man and everything else. You right. Know? Uh, right. So, you know, that was my first impression whenever I saw him get pulled back down into that hole. Yeah. Of course, David Tennant does his, you know, his scream of no, Right. You know, so it's like, oh, God, this is a whole thing. You <laughs> yeah, know. And, and I'm looking at that, and I'm going, oh, that's not going to end well, you know? <laughs> Why? Why Frank? Why Frank? <laughs> Why couldn't it have been Solomon? Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm kidding. 
Uh, Frank had such a future ahead of him. Why couldn't it have been the bread thief? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, But the the three of them that have escaped don't have much time to, uh, you know, sort of catch their breath because they're suddenly staring down the end of a a revolver. Guess who's holding it? Tallulah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Three L's and an H. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I enjoy that character. I just, she's, you know, <laughs> I liked her too. I liked her too. Uh, she's probably the most over the top of any of the characters in this story, without being too much over the top. Uh, I say, aside from someone we'll run across later. <laughs> but, but I, I like her. I like her a lot. She basically thinks that these guys have something to do with Laszlo's disappearance because he's disappeared and they just show up in the back room there at the theater, which is where they, they came out. Uh, so that was kind of the last place she saw Laszlo. So they should have some answers. The gun apparently ends up being a prop was nothing. <laughs> it's not even real. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor asked to use some of the equipment back there so we can figure out what the alien flesh is. Solomon confesses to the doctor that he left Frank behind because he was scared and says that he needs to make amends for that and that he needs to return to Hooverville and get everybody to arm themselves in order to defend themselves. He seems like a really good guy. You know, he, yeah. he seems like a good leader. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that later, though. Yeah. Dalek Sek appears to be the driving force behind this final experiment, whatever that is. And it involves basically merging his organic body with Diagoras so that the Daleks can evolve outside of the shell, is, yeah. is the phrase that he uses. There is a little bit of disagreement about this because... Dalek purity will not be maintained. Right. But Dalek Sec basically just says, I am the leader, you will obey me, and the rest of them shut up. And there are clear ties that go back to classic Dalek episodes with this type of experimentation and stuff. Because not only have we seen Davros experiment on the Daleks, we've seen the Daleks experiment on themselves mm-hmm. to try to improve themselves genetically and so this kind of still fits in that same vein uh, of we're going to use this new genetic material to see what we can add to ourselves to make ourselves even better right alibi a little bit more on the extreme side yeah (laughs) uh and of course there this whole discussion is happening right in front of diagoras who doesn't want anything to do with it uh he wants to serve them in any other way possible but not that but he doesn't have a choice (laughs) Dalek sex casing opens up. The Dalek tentacles grab Diagoras and pull him into the casing, and it all closes around the two of you them. You actually in the evolution. You actually see the bottom portion of Dalek sec come out and surround him head first, like it's swallowing him, like a giant leech or something. It's you really know. gross, kind of bizarre, <laughs> and you wonder how the heck a Dalek can do that. I watched this. <laughs> all the other Daleks we've seen are basically this little <clears throat> splat of goop with tentacles around it, but they seem to be just sitting on top of this little chair in there, and you're like, oh, they had all of that underneath? I didn't know that. Well, this this could also have something to do with the Dalek hierarchy as well. Mm, um, true. You know, 
this could have something. He, you know, he could be more evolved than some of the others are, and that could be why he's the leader of the cult of Scaro. You know, right? Um, but I watched this with my son uh, for his first time watching it uh, a couple of years back. Uh, he's thirteen now. I think he would have been eleven at, the point, at that point, and that scene comes up and I'm just sitting there watching it. And I've already seen it at least, at least twice. I'm sure by this point, and I'm just sitting there watching it like normal. And that scene comes up and I glance over at him and he's sitting on the other side of the room and his eyes are like, are like marbles. You know, he's sitting there and I said, what's wrong? He goes, thanks for warning me, dad. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, that was just a little bit disturbing. <laughs> and I wasn't thinking anything about it. You know, here he is 11 years old and, and he's like, oh my gosh, what just happened? You know, <laughs> I would have to agree with him. It is just a little bit disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I had to laugh at that though, because, you know, I wasn't thinking about this, this, being his very first time to see it and him only being 11 years old you know uh but yeah that i had to laugh at that he uh he, his reaction to that was classic you know uh, yeah <laughs> uh the doctor is meanwhile you know running his experiments on this alien blob basically in an abandoned section of the the balcony area of the theater while martha and tallula are catching up and talking about life in the depression and you know Tallulah is basically saying you know with Lazo's disappearance you you live in hope but the show has to go on because if I don't perform I don't make rent and if I don't make rent I end up in Hooverville you know but there's been a rose left on her dressing table every night just as Lazlo used to do so she she lives in hope she goes out to to do her musical number which is you know a big band number and reminds me a bit of uh, Anything Goes from uh, Indiana yes. Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yes, I uh, was I was trying to figure out what that reminded me of. You are correct. That is exactly what it reminds me of. Yeah. <laughs> and so Martha's watching this from the wings and notices on the other side of the stage, there's a, a pig slave that seems a little bit more human watching from the other side. And so that's, she... That's not disturbing at all, right? No. <laughs> No, but since the doctor's busy, she has to go investigate, and she, you know, sneaks across the stage you know, unsuccessfully. Now, see, this, I was watching this, and I was thinking, Rose would have done exactly the same thing. Right. You know, because I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, all you had to do was go around the back curtain behind everybody else, and nobody would have ever seen you were there, but right. instead, you decided to play hide and seek with the audience behind all of the dancers on the stage. And I was thinking Rose would have done exactly the same thing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the pig slave is spotted by the dancers who scream and the performance is thus stopped. Martha takes the opportunity to chase after him while he's leaving and Tallulah follows. He disappears down the manhole cover and Martha follows. Does Tallulah follow at that point? Not yet. No. They don't follow yet. They wait. She for... follows the doctor later. Yeah, she goes back to the doctor, who has just figured out what planet this alien blob is from. Scaro. Like I said, I looked at it and I immediately thought, that looks like a Dalek embryo to me. Of course, like you said before, 
I didn't think about it at first, that could also look like a Rutan, you know? But that was my first thought was, that looks like a Dalek embryo. And when he looks at it, he goes, huh, this is not biological. This is synthetic. Yeah. And so at that point, you're thinking, okay, maybe it's not a normal Dalek embryo, you know? Uh, Because Dalek embryos are still biological. Right. So at this point, you know there's been some other fidgeting that's been done with this, you know? Mm. Yes. So Martha is trying to figure out what to do about this, this guy who's hanging around when she's taken by a pig slave, uh, while Tallulah's getting the doctor, they hear her scream and they run back to see that she's been taken. So they go down in the sewers after Martha and run across the humanized pig slave who was still down there. Turns out it's Laszlo. Yeah. What a shock. You know? <laughs> well, this this ended up feeling like a rather tragic love story because mm-hmm. of Laszlo being genetically altered. Because Laszlo basically feels like the Doctor Who version of the, the Phantom of the Opera or something at this point. <laughs> you know, uh, he he's loving her from afar. He lives in the shadows and he doesn't want her to see his face. And, mm-hmm. you know... So that it's that's sort of the same vibe that you get from this, and so at that point, you know, of course, I started getting the feels, you know, and right. Uh, it, it was it was really kind of tender to see her yeah. as she's recognizing him, start you know fixing his shirt collar and yeah. you know, all that stuff. So it, you know, because you know you you think of that you know the way she was treating him was like, you know, you you look at that and you're thinking that's how people behave when they've been together for. A long enough period of time where they just kind of know each other, you know, they mm-hmm. just they, they just kind of become, you know, like I don't want to say one person, but one one entity to a certain point, you know mm-hmm. it's like she, you know, she knows when he needs his collar fixed or his tie fixed or whatever, and he knows when she needs, you know, that rose or whatever, you know, and, and it's just they know all these little things about each other that and nobody it's white, yeah and it's know, white roses not red roses. yeah that, and yeah. they know they know all these things about each other that nobody else knows and they just kind of not feed off of one another but just kind of coexist together you know it, it, to you know risk being incredibly cliche and corny they complete each other exactly you uh, know <laughs> exactly <laughs> but that's the feeling that you get watching them together you know with with her you know messing with his collar and all of this kind of stuff you know and you're sitting there and you're thinking i've seen my parents do that you know mm-hmm. and and i've seen my wife do that for me you know and you know those are the kinds of things that people like take for granted until they have that kind of you know situation come up that puts them in in a divide that they yeah. can't do anything about and seeing her do that rather than screaming and running away makes you go, oh, maybe there's hope for them, you right. know, which right. is nice to see. Um, meanwhile, Martha has been uh, shoved into a parade of other captives, including Frank, <laughs> as they're going through the sewers. Uh, so they, they run into each other and, you know, start talking about how they have to figure this out. And then they are met up by Dalek Khan and Dalek Thay who say the Dalekanium is in place, and then start analyzing the prisoners and separating them out by low intelligence and high intelligence. Low intelligence will become pig slaves, while the high intelligence ones are destined to become part of the final experiment. And you're like, there's that final experiment again. Right. 
And, and the, the the thing that interested me with this too, you know, the the Daleks are going around with their sucker hands, yep. and they're scanning the all these waves. people, and yeah. they say low intelligence, and this guy's like, "Are you calling me stupid?" You know, right? <laughs> and then the, they scan this this next person, low intelligence. You know, they will become a pig slave. You know, and then they scan Martha, and they say. High intelligence, you know, and then they scan Frank, and you know, you're looking at Frank, and you're thinking, well, this guy is he's from the, you know, the Tennessee. Well, know. well, you're you're looking at him, and you're thinking he's from from Hooverville and stuff. So you're thinking, you know, obviously they're going to scan him and say low intelligence right. or whatever. He's got he's got a bit of a hen, uh, uh, sort of a you know country bumpkin vibe. Yeah, a little bit, but they they say high intelligence, and you're thinking. Hmm. You know, because maybe we've you know kind of not given him enough of a chance. You know, sort of like Martha. <laughs> anyway, um, the the doctor and Laszlo decide to try and infiltrate and find out what's going on because Laszlo knows where everything is now. They send Tallulah back. She goes back. Well, starts going back, and then just comes to this point of indecision as to whether or not she's going to listen to what they say or follow along. The doctor and Laszlo infiltrate the parade heading into the laboratory. The doctor, you know, falls in with the rest of the prisoners and Laszlo with the rest of the pig guards, and they walk in on Dalek sex smoking. Not, not a cigarette or anything. <laughs> like, there's steam and smoke billowing out of his grill. He's shaking back yeah. and forth. They're talking about stopping abort, experiments. Abort, abort. And he's like, no, no. <laughs> I must see this through. And the doctor has Martha ask what's going on because he doesn't want to draw attention to himself yet. Right. And so she demands to know what's happening. The Daleks tell her that they bear witness the rebirth of the Dalek race. And just at that moment, Dalek sex casing opens, and this humanoid creature steps out with this mutant Dalek human head and creepy hands. Still wearing his suit. Right. St- yeah, still wearing Mr. Daggers' <laughs> suit. Uh, and it says, to end the first episode, I am a human Dalek. I am your future. Yeah. And everyone goes, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> now, see, I think that I liked this better than you did. <laughs> I don't like this at all. It's, he's, he's not pretty enough for you, is he? I <laughs> it mildly. Uh, from a plot point of view and a story point of view i can deal with it but it's just so weird and bizarre and <laughs> ugly undalek it's so undalek that i'm just like yeah, what is it it's unhuman too so it's you not know. It, exactly it's not dalek it's not human it's supposed to be this hybrid but you're even questioning that <laughs> and you just kind of go every time you look at it. And it's got these little tiny tentacles on the side of its head that are wiggling around. It look like fingers or something, you know. And it's only got one <laughs> eye, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. like it. Dalek, <laughs> Dalek sec needed to not survive the experiment. Um, <laughs> 
I've been looking at something ugly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ugly. Ugly. <laughs> Well, now, the the thing about it for me, though, is I I looked at it strictly from a story standpoint. And so it didn't bother me as much to see what the hybrid looked like because I was looking at it strictly from a story standpoint, you know, which is the way I look at most of this stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I can I can understand it from a story point of view, but it's just ugly, ugly. I just. (laughs) Not to say that I haven't seen other ugly aliens in Doctor Who. I mean, there's some real weird, like, gumdrop aliens in yeah. the classic series, the the Three Doctors. Have you seen the Three Doctors? Uh, yeah. There's, like, these big, giant, weird gumdrop aliens with, you know, half crab claws. Yeah. Um, they're <laughs> weird. Um, you know, there, there's some bizarre... You're talking about the one with, with Omega, right? Yep. Yep. Omega. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, not really. <laughs> but there's just something so unnatural and unnerving about this hybrid that I'm just like yeah. I just <laughs> I just can't I can't get past it. You, you know. Want to, you want to kiss it. No. <laughs> Well, I want to kiss it with a baseball bat to the head. <laughs> okay, Ace. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? Um, oh. The doctor then takes this moment to step forward and reveal himself and to test a theory. Because, you know, the doctor likes to test theories in the middle of the most dangerous situations. <laughs> Um, all the other Daleks start aiming their guns at him and are ready to fire when Dalek sex orders them to stop and captures them. And they want to capture the, do- the doctor because he could assist them in this transition, is his reasoning, anyways. Because the doctor is extremely intelligent, he says. Right, exactly. Uh, the doctor, of course, is trying to see just how much of the human there is in this human Dalek hybrid by presenting them with a radio. And the Daleks are going, what is this? What is the purpose of it? And he goes, well, there is no real purpose. It just plays music. Or if you have a sonic screwdriver, it does this. You know. Siren goes off, basically. Right. <laughs> it disorients the Daleks and the pig guards and everything, and the Doctor and the other humans escape the lab, while one of the Daleks from the Cult of Scarrow blow up the radio, and they engage in pursuit. And Dalek Sec looks at the shell of the radio in some... You know, and you can't really tell what's going on in his head. But he looks at it, you know... With some sort of sense of disappointment that it had to be destroyed. Yeah, it, he he has this very contemplative look on his face uh, on multiple occasions. You know, like he's tr- basically taking everything in for the first time, almost. You know, um, so you can tell that he's definitely not the same "quote unquote" person that he was before. Right. You know? um, Dalek Khan and Dalek Thay. It arrive at the ladder that all the humans have escaped up, and they order the pick guards to return 
and have a little bit of a conversation. And they express doubts about Dalek Sek and his orders since he became humanized. And they express doubts about how, about if this was even the right sort of experiment to do for the Daleks right. because he is impure now. Um, but they don't get too much time to act on it because they head to Hooverville to recapture the doctor. And um, basically they're shooting up the entire town in order to get the doctor to come out. And as he reveals himself and emerges to the front, he orders them to kill him to just get it over with because every time he runs across the Daleks, someone gets killed. Like Solomon who tried yeah. to make a deal with the Daleks. Yeah, Solomon tried to do the brave thing. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was watching this, and I was thinking just how much I admired his courage and his uh, heart for doing what he did, you know. And that's the thing, too. Uh, Dalek Sek is watching through the eyes uh, of another Dalek mm -hmm. while all this is going on. And so he is taking in everything. He's taking in, you know, the courage of Solomon, and and you can see admiration almost on mm -hmm. his face because you can see how much it's affecting him. Right. Yeah, and so then when the Dalek just says exterminate and just kills Solomon for no reason whatsoever, you see him visibly shaken. He's like... <gasps> he gasps. Yes. Which and, gets a look from the other Dalek in the room. Right. If you notice, the other Dalek's eye stalk swings towards Dalek Sek from behind him yeah. and just sort of looks at him like, why? What What was that? You know? Yeah. And and you can tell this is a similar scenario that Sek is going through that the or single Dalek was going through in the uh, Eccleston first Dalek episode. Yeah. You know, only because he is a hybrid to a fuller extent, it's not as mm -hmm. jarring for him as it as it was for the original Dalek. Yeah. But the doctor is tired of seeing good men and women die at the Dalek's hands because of him and so steps out away from everyone else, orders them to kill him and spare the others. And as the Daleks are preparing to do so, Dalek Sek orders his capture instead. Yeah. Do not kill him. Bring him back to me. And this causes some more strife mm -hmm. within the Dalek ranks. Yeah. In a quick goodbye, the doctor slips Martha his psychic paper and says to help the injured. At the lab, Dalek Sek reveals the plan about how he wanted to create a new race, which combined Dalek and human DNA, reformatting the human brain. And they're going to use a gamma strike from a solar flare to do this. And all the, the people that they have been collecting for their final experiment are there in the lab. And the mast at the top of the Empire State Building is what's going to channel that gamma strike into the lab. And it's going to channel that energy through the Dalekanium, which is mounted on the mast. And that is what's going to reformat, essentially, the human brains uh, into well, the Dalek-human hybrid. From what I understood, and I could be completely off base on this, but from what I understood was the original idea was to turn those humans into what he is. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not it would have been completely successful, I don't know, but I, that was the original idea that I got from it. And while he was talking to the doctor about all this, you know, of course, 
you see things differently when you rewatch things than you do the first time you watch them, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I was watching this the very first time, uh, and he was talking to the doctor about, uh, yeah, we have all of these humans, and they're basically their minds are empty because we've wiped them uh-huh. and there's nothing left and and the doctor's talking to him about it and you're basically watching the doctor and you're thinking why does he not have a problem with any of this yeah you know right. because I'm, he's not reacting in a way that i would have expected him to react and and he's basically asking him questions as scientist to scientist at that point right and so he's basically reacting in a way that you would react just if you were looking at any other test subject. But as I went back and rewatched it again, I was watching this and I was thinking, yeah, I know exactly what he's doing. He is not reacting so that he can get as much information as possible because he knows if he reacts, he won't get all the information. He will only get a part of it because at that point, Dalek sec will not trust him anymore. Right. And essentially, these humans are going to have the intelligence of the Daleks, but the emotions of a human. And the Doctor is kind of shocked that Dalek is willing to eliminate that aspect of a Dalek in this hybrid. Well, Sek even went in and, and said, I'm altering the DNA right now to make them even more like the humans because... I admire the human's bravery and I admire the human's ability to survive uh, ambition. Mm -hmm. And so that even shocks the doctor even more because, you know, at first it was supposed to be even 50, 50 split. And when he said that he was altering them even more to make them even more human, you see the reaction then from the other Daleks of this is not cool. Right. You know, (laughs) and the doctor sitting here looking at him thinking, Maybe he really has changed. Maybe he is becoming good, you know? And this is where you start to wonder yeah. about how much of Diagoras's will to survive is influencing Dalek Sek. You, you start to wonder how much of this is really Dalek Sek anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And as the, the countdown to this Gamma Strike is getting ready to happen... Dalek Khan leads a mutiny. Yeah. They are now injecting pure Dalek DNA into the humans rather than the, the mixture that was going to be put in. And Dalek Sec and the Doctor are taken hostage. In the confusion, though, the Doctor and Laszlo managed to escape the lab and take the elevator to the top of the Empire State Building. Dalek Sec, not so lucky. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Martha and Tallulah and Frank, yes, they figured out. Yes, they they've figured out that they need to go to the Empire State Building too and try and figure out what's going on. They see two sets of blueprints for the Empire State Building, and there's basically a day apart. Uh, there's a day difference uh-huh. between the two of them, so something has been changed from the old one to the new one, and they're trying to figure out what it is. So they can figure out how to stop what's going on. That's when they realize that the, the Dalekanium has been put on the mast. This is when the Doctor and Laszlo join them. And so the Doctor heads up to the mast to try and take care of the Dalekanium, while Martha, Laszlo, Tallulah, and Frank are all left to hold off the pig guards and the Daleks. 
So the doctor is up on the mast in you know the middle of this storm coming in, trying to use a sonic screwdriver to unmount the Dalekanium. And Martha has had the brilliant idea to channel that same lightning strike, the gamma radiation lightning strike, <laughs> through a series of pipes that they've laid across each other to the elevator to shock the entire elevator system when the pig guards get up there. They're just hoping that their timing is right. This is, a, unfortunately, when Laszlo starts experiencing some of the side effects of being a pig slave, because they don't last very long. Did, did, you, did you wonder at all why they decided to make pig slaves instead of some other type of slave? I wondered that, and I was like, boy, Russell T. Davies really likes using the idea of pig slaves, because there was that pig that was used as a alien decoy way back in Aliens in London or whatever that episode was uh, where the Slitheen mm-hmm. were trying to take over with uh, Chris Eccleston. Right. So I'm like, that was what I first thought. I was like, man, RTD uh, you know, likes the idea of using pigs as, as <laughs> for whatever reason. Well, you know, I, I didn't the, figure it out though. I, I could be completely off with this, but what I put together from it was uh, if you start looking at things on a genetic level, pigs are closer to humans genetically than just about any other animal. Um, which is the reason why they are doing experiments with replacing human organs with like pig organs, you know, and, and trying to see if they can do, uh, maybe heart transplants or something like that using pig organs as opposed to human organs to try to save human lives. Uh, huh. It's not been completely successful uh, to this point, but that's the reason why they're trying to use that is because on a genetic level, pigs and humans are closer than possibly even, you know, uh, your primate and your human, you know. Um, Interesting. Also, a lot of people don't realize this uh, pigs are actually on an IQ level more, they're highly intelligent yes they're more intelligent than dogs more intelligent than dolphins you know they're possibly the most intelligent animal on the face of the earth and so I think that those two things put together could have made them an easy choice to say, okay, we can make this genetic man- manipulation more easily than anything else, and we can manipulate them into doing what the, what we want them to do. That, so, and you probably had a pretty good <laughs> supply of pigs in 1930s New York. Right. Uh, so, so uh, looking at it from that point of view, that scientifically, that sort of made sense to me. You know? Yeah. Unfortunately, the doctor's part of the plan isn't going so well. He drops the sonic screwdriver... Um, and the lightning strike is imminent, and so he essentially climbs up the the mast, standing on the remaining Dalekanium pieces that are on there, and gets in the way yeah. when the lightning hits. Were you thinking the same thing that I was thinking the first time you watched this? Which is what? We're about to have a regeneration. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was going... And we don't have fried doctor. How? Yeah, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, this reminds me of some similarities of like when we saw the fourth doctor regenerate. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so 
my thoughts are this could very easily be a regeneration point for the doctor if they so chose to write it that way, you know? Yeah. Um, Thankfully they didn't because the scenario was just too perfect for it to be used that way. Right. The, the lightning strike has activated the final experiment and the, the Dalek army uh, of the Dalek human hybrids awaken. You know, ultimately the, though, what they end up doing um, is they end up getting a quote unquote hybrid that comes off a lot like one of the Robo Men. Yeah, yeah. You know, they do. They do come off like the Robo Men, and was, they're armed with these these basically submachine guns that are fitted with a, a Dalek laser instead of a, the front end of the barrel. <laughs> the, the the lightning and everything comes through, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm just waiting for a Dalek to start screaming, "They're alive! They're alive!" You know. <laughs> I mean, Dalek Sec kind of gets a little bit like that because he's like, "I must be the controller. I must be their leader." Uh, and Dalek Khan is like, "No, <laughs> you are unfit," and designates himself the new leader. Yeah. Um, so Dalek Thay and Dalek Jast take Dalek Sec and lead the army into the sewers to track down the Doctor and his companions. Uh, the Doctor, Martha, Tallulah, Frank, and Laszlo head for Tallulah's theater. In the theater, the Doctor homes in for the Daleks on his location by using a sonic screwdriver. Uh, the army shows up. The Which Daleks Martha show gave up. back to him. Yes, Martha picked it up and gave it back to him. The Daleks show up. The, the small army of, of hybrids show up. Uh, Sek is bound in chains and is crawling on all fours like a dog in yeah, front of... That Dalek, was a little Dalek disturbing Jazz. for me. You know? Yeah. And he wasn't disturbing enough to begin with? It was more disturbing for me to see that because I, I was thinking to myself, I had actually begun to like the character you know, because he had become a different person and was, was trying to be good, you know, mm-hmm. as ugly as he was, you know, I, he was someone that even the doctor started to believe could be good, you know, and right. all he had done was try to make the Daleks become uh, more of a force for good in the, in, in the universe. And this was his payment for that, you know, and, so he was now their slave. And so yeah. I found that a bit disturbing because, you know, that just reiterated for me the whole Nazi thing, you know. Yeah. Of the Daleks. Yeah. The doctor tries to make the Daleks see that what they've done to Sek is wrong because he's the only one that had any vision. He's the only one who was intelligent enough to even consider something like this. The Daleks are getting ready to exterminate the doctor when Sek stands up and gets in the way and gets himself uh, shot dead and yeah. seeing his skull was weird just saying uh, but um that's when they decide to use their their new hybrid army to kill the doctor their new robo men of daleks right <laughs> right and they order the doctor's extermination and one dalek human asks why and every time the dalek continues to give him an order he asks why why 
this is when the doctor reveals, oh, by the way, I got in the way, and uh, <laughs> there's some Time Lord DNA mixed in there, and, you know, a little bit of freedom, you know. Just a little bit of freedom. Right. You know? <laughs> this is when the Daleks go, oh, crap, and start to exterminate their own creations, who promptly return fire and blow up Dalek Jass and Dalek Thay. The Doctor is supremely excited about this victory and is getting so thrilled with the idea of this new creation, this new race of, of beings here, and what their potential is. When back in the lab, Dalek Khan, who's been surveying everything from the control station, declares that the Dalek humans are a failure and commands destruct. And they all reach for their heads in pain and fall to the ground dead. They would rather destroy their creations than let it walk around doing something besides its created purpose. Well, it's interesting to me that the Daleks don't even trust their own kind or their own, you know, created kind, you know, to the point of not putting a self-destruct device in them in some way. Mm -hmm. So they, they seem to always have that fail safe just in case kind of thing. And when Daleks don't even trust other Daleks, you know that Daleks are pretty bad, you know? Yeah. Well, they're, <laughs> they're not pure Daleks, so you can't trust them, you know? that That's the thing. The Doctor's tired of all the death after this genocide, and so he does the one thing we're all going, what? Why would you do that? Uh, he goes back down to the lab and offers to help Dalek Khan. They're the last of their species. He doesn't want to see more genocide. Let me help you. Dalek Khan looks at him, and the next thing you hear is, emergency temporal shift, and he yeah. vanishes, runs away. I think that what we're seeing in the new series so far has really been well done as far as how it ties back into the original classic series and how it fits together storyline-wise. You know, it feels like it's a natural progression course we haven't gotten to visually see anything from the time war yet mm -hmm. but as far as how that story fits together with that time war just kind of sandwiched in the middle you know these these uh new dalek story arcs just seem like a natural progression for the classic dalek story arcs you know they, they just feel like they're all part of one big story you know yeah and the way that he uh incorporates like the temporal shifts and and uh, like the spherical void ship just, you know, that was a really clever way of getting around the whole uh, Rose basically evaporate, <laughs> vaporized uh, all of the Daleks in existence, you know, because yeah. the void ship wasn't in existence in our dimension when Rose did that, right? you know, and so I think that's a really clever way of, of working around those types of things and still being able to tell a good story. Yeah. As we wrap up here, Laszlo is, is dying, and the doctor decides that he's had enough death. Brand new creatures, wise old men, and age old enemies, you know, I've got a lab, and uh, you're not dying today. And while he can't undo the mutation that's been done to Laszlo, he can stabilize him and give him a normal life biologically speaking. As, as normal a life as you can have with a pig nose. Right. <laughs> He's not going to die in two weeks. Let's just yeah. say that. Later, we see Laszlo and Tallulah in the park. Frank has gone back to Hooverville to explain that they're accepting Laszlo. You know, <laughs> he gives them a little bit of a talking to. 
uh, tells them this is what Solomon would have wanted and says that Laszlo has a place there. You know, he can't guarantee it'll be easy, but you've got some place to stay. Yeah. For which Laszlo is very thankful. And so we, we see Frank essentially fill that void left by Solomon at least a little bit here. And, and you, you get the idea that he's going to start taking charge a little bit more now. Well, as bad as it sounds when all this went down, I had it in the back of my mind. I was thinking, yeah, there's going to be a circus out there somewhere that's going to have this barker that's going to be uh, yelling out, come one, come all and see Laszlo, the pig-faced boy, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Because yeah. those those are the kind of things you used to see back in those days, you know? Mm-hmm. And right. so that, as bad as it sounds, that is what popped into my head because I was thinking somebody somewhere is going to try to uh, take advantage of him in that way. Yeah. So to see him have a place. He, he can't hold a normal job and everything. I mean, yeah. so what do you do? Well, to see that he has a place in Hooverville, you know, sort of puts your, your mind at ease a little bit. I like to think that he and Frank kind of stayed together. Yeah, I like to think so, too. The doctor and Martha head back to the TARDIS with the Martha saying, oh, it just goes to prove there's somebody for everybody. Maybe. <laughs> As they enter the TARDIS, though, she asks if, uh, if she thinks they'll meet Dalek Khan again. And Doctor says, oh, he'll be back. They always come back. And that's how it ends. That line sounded like something the fourth Doctor would say at the end of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right. Um, any, any final thoughts on Daleks in Manhattan and evolution of the Daleks? Uh, I think I like the story most of all as far as the the bits and pieces of this uh, the execution of it was I would say good enough but you know I'm I think more forgiving of the human Dalek than you are the 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 thing about the the pig slaves is as much as I could justify it scientifically in my head it was just something that I still kind of looked at is really could you could you not have come up with something else you know but all things considered i liked the the overall story i i I thought that it was i thought it fit well with what we had seen before and what we will see to come you know uh sandwiched kind of in between there and uh, i thought it paid homage to what we had seen in the classic series you know yeah. uh, definitely elements and tie-ins to what we've seen previous um in this story and i i like i definitely do like those elements um and it's not so much you know while the look of the the dalek human is just really bizarre and mm-hmm. it's not something i expected or even conceived of <laughs> it's you know it's not so much that it's the it's the idea that the Daleks would even get to the point where creating something like that was a viable option is something that doesn't make too much sense and while I know they already set up the cult of Scarrow as something that, that thinks outside of, of the normal realm of the Dalek mindset right? Um, you know they'd already had that established so that when they get to something like this it's a little more understandable it's just something that even that seemed to be a bit far. 
And obviously, Dalek Sec is out there all on his own when he gets there. Um, but the reasoning that they said that they did this, though, was because they could not figure out how to replicate Davros's initial experiment to right. create new Daleks from scratch. Right, their embryos so not working basically. So they they weren't. They weren't I, I read out this. Right. I read this as more of an act of desperation uh, than an actual we're doing this because we want to kind of thing. I can see that. Uh, but it's just one of those things where the the bizarre premise of combining humans and Daleks combined with the look and combined with the fact that Daleks are even considering something like that just gets me to this point where I'm just like, it's an interesting story and it's an interesting concept to think about and talk about. I'm just not sure it's something I wanted to see, you know? <laughs> I, I think probably for me, the reason why I didn't have as big of an issue with it, though, is because um, of watching uh, Davros turn humans into Daleks in the Sixth Doctor episode that we watched, you know? Right. And so seeing him doing that and using human tissue <laughs> to create new Daleks... Uh, I, I guess I just kind of made a parallel with that in this, you know. Right. I mean, and I can see them doing that, but I can see Davros doing that. But seeing mm -hmm. the Daleks go the other direction themselves right, doesn't quite compute, you know. But... Well, that's why I say I looked at it as an act of desperation, because I don't think any normal Dalek on a, a normal average day would have even come close to thinking about making that decision. Right, right. Dalek Sec had something scrambled when he did that emergency temporal shift, <laughs> and that's what brought this all about. That's my explanation, and I'm sticking with it. Oh. Well, you know, we did... We, we will see something like that happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Coming up in the near yeah. future. Um, but, why don't we give our, our rating here for you? Uh, how many Daleks would you give this story? Uh... Well, being that it was so bizarre, you know, especially with like the pig slaves and all of that, um, I can't rate it as high as some of the ones we've done before, but I did enjoy it. I thought it was really well written. I thought it was, uh, as far as the overall storyline goes, I felt it was a really good um, continuation and tie-in to what had come before. Uh, so I'm thinking... All things considered, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to give it a maybe a seven and a half. Okay. Oh, I we've gone over <laughs> my issues with this episode, so I won't go too much more into that. Um, it, it's it's not my favorite. It's probably my least favorite of the new series Dalek episodes, right. and the best I can muster for this episode is a six or a six and a half. I mean, I've watched okay. it a couple times, and when I do my watch-throughs, I will watch it again because, you know, I have to. Um, but... <laughs> I, and, and, there, and there is some good stuff in this episode. Uh, don't get me wrong. I like Tallulah and, yeah. you know, Laszlo, and I like Frank, and I, I like all the supporting cast on the good guy's side. It's just everything. The whole premise is just kind of bizarre and doesn't. It, it's it's just so out there for the Daleks 
that, you know, while it is an act of desperation, it's just, it's one of those things I just sort of look at and go, eh? Every time <laughs> I see it, you know? Right. Um, I, and I've tried to give it, you know, come back at it with a fresh set of eyes. I'm like, well, there's been weird stuff in the classic series, too, that I've, right. you know, gotten over and enjoyed. And I've, I, I tried that this time, and it still didn't work. So, yeah. I did like this part, because uh, I was looking at the cast on uh, IMDb, and... Uh, I I wouldn't have noticed it had I not been reading who the cast was, but they did have the same actor to play the Dalek human that played him before he was transformed into the Dalek human. Well, yeah, uh, Mr. Daggers. Yeah. Yes, it was the same actor, but because of the the difference in the way he portrayed the character and everything, if you hadn't seen the fact that he played both sides of that, you wouldn't have realized it was the same actor. I uh, suspected it was. You know, and so. so I think he did a pretty good job playing that role because his persona before the transformation and after the transformation could probably not have been any more different, you know. Yeah. It, even the voice came off as different. It did. It did. So I thought that was pretty good. All right. Well, anything else before we start wrapping this up? I'm really looking forward to the next one. <laughs> I mean, you talk about yes. an all-star cast. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> next, next, next episode, we'll be reviewing uh, the Stolen Earth and Journey's End uh, here in our Dalek episode reviews. Um, the season finale for series four of the modern series. Uh, we finally get to talk about Donna in an episode. Um, yeah, I'm so happy about that. We'll and- see the return of another character that we've talked about before mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a couple of characters we've talked yeah about. A lot well of everybody it, it's we'll see a lot of characters that we've talked about before <laughs> yes, that is very true. i was thinking one in, in particular but uh yeah we I won't know, even I go know. there i know <laughs> oh man all right well harriet uh, jones no <laughs> <laughs> harriet jones prime minister yes, yes. we know we, who you we, are, we, we are. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Harriet Jones. Um, all right, she was the the Queen of England in the BFG movie that came out. Really? Yes, I like that I movie. I haven't seen that movie. It was a it was a really magical kind of little movie. Steven Spielberg, Roald Dahl, uh, all working with Disney. I'll kind probably good... see it, but I haven't seen it yet. Right. Anyway, sorry, random tangent there. Um, <laughs> if you want to, you know, comment on this episode that we've talked on some of the episodes we've talked about this time around, or let us know your thoughts on the upcoming episodes, uh, you can always go ahead and do that uh, through our social media, which is Facebook.com/slash Talking Time Lords. Our Twitter handle is at Talking Time Lord, or you can email us at TalkingTimeLords at gmail.com if you forget those links or just want to uh, go and see each and every episode that we previously released all in one place. You can find those links on our website at TalkingTimeLords.com That's also the only place that you'll get all of our episodes with the original artwork that goes with them. Yes. We do just want to remind everybody that all of our episodes are now available through iTunes, all of our back episodes, our feed has been fixed. 
So they are all available there now. So if you haven't caught all of our episodes and you're using iTunes to do so, please go back, download it there, and leave us a rating and review. We would greatly appreciate that. Yes. Anything else, Paul, before we wrap up this episode? Not really, no. I'm good. All right. I'm so glad you didn't want to talk about Dalek Zach again. <laughs> hey, he's pretty. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. And with that, we are ending this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 45, Daleks in Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks Story Review. For Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time... May you hope, half-lung hopes, and dream impossible dreams. Exterminate! <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts, or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows. Did I sound enough like Dalek Sex? <laughs> we were finished. <laughs> and then you weren't.